Welcome to the 55-1 Podcast. My name is Wes Perdine in a uh, quiet bunker in St. Paul. I'm uh, I'm with uh, two gentlemen. You can guess one of their names. It's uh, Jeff Reuter. Hey, man. How hey. are you? Good. Uh, lackadaisical introduction, but thanks. Yeah, yep, I'm good. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm always uh, heaping with praise and everything. Uh, the other guy is, is uh, a stranger you just met, Jeff. Uh, it's true. But uh, Eric Silva Brenneman. Hello. Uh, is, is here Hello. joining us for the first time. Welcome. Honored. Thank you. It's uh, great because this is just a chaperone speed date, and at the end of the hour, we have to decide <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-oh. Exactly. Now the pressure's on. Yeah. <laughs> I won't tell exactly. your wife, so this will be great. So uh, our first three questions are... No, we, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, quite a bit on this. We are going to be talking about um, uh, child care, uh, you know, in basically kindergarten which is going to be a really big hit. We're going to be talking about uh, Minnesota United winning, obviously. We are going to be talking about the Milwaukee black and tan. And uh, um, so, you know, obviously all three of those things you people are freaking out about. <laughs> um, but why don't we uh, Why don't we just, just start off with the good, the bad, and the weird. I won't even cut to a break. Wow. Yeah, I Take know. That I'm going to do this. Well, I'm just... you Because well, you I wasn't here last week, yeah. I'm... I'm. Uh, I want to. He's ready to go. Into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, cool. start with the good. The good. You don't know this story. I don't. So I've got to tell it. So I'm yeah. going to keep going. I can do a cold read if you want to. No, no. This is well. It's amazing. I read it. New York Times uh, had a story this morning about FC St. Pauli, which is uh, you know every every basically uh, hip soccer players, uh, soccer fans' uh, favorite team. It's because, true. Uh, Radical, left wing, anti-fascist. Yeah, They're right. awesome. And the, you know, in Hamburg, basically in the red light district of Hamburg, um, and uh, and you know the skull and crossbones on yep. everything owned owned and basically run by all these fans. But uh, you, you told this part of the story, uh, Eric, which is which is that they've got what in their stadium? <laughs> it's a kindergarten, <laughs> a preschool, I think. Right? They're talking about they kind yeah. of flip the name for both preschool and kindergarten. But yeah, there's basically young childhood uh education happening at the stadium <laughs> yeah they, i mean they've and in the story they have oh, let me just read a couple great moments sure. uh i love the club this is a quote from uh from a teacher uh, i love the club I, I love football i can work here every day so it's cool said ann schick 32 a teacher who moonlights as a goalkeeper for one of <laughs> fc st Pauli's women's team as you do so amazing and then in these classrooms Soccer chants get mixed in amongst nursery rhymes. The teachers, for example, subtly reworded one of the club's popular songs for the children to sing together. When the whole Kita sings for, for and that's the Kita is the, the uh, child care yeah, center, for, for St. Pauli, it sounds to the Mil- Millern Tor. Which is which the Millern Door. Keep going. <laughs> Stop. You're good. Okay, enough from you. The city's best ki- kids only sing for you, so come on, FC, score another goal. Um, it's just awesome. The I mean, everyone's jealous of like the the idea that these kids are grow, you know, get to grow up. Some it's like the club president, uh, I think, or someone has their kids in it. Some of the some of the other staff members have their kids there. Weird that they only go to a weekly preschool, though. It doesn't seem like enough. It's, it's a, a weekly it's day. Yeah, I think it's every day, and they talk about too on game day. Everybody's trying to kind of get to that preschool vantage point because they have this great view of the pitch. Yeah. So like, the teachers, and I don't know, maybe even the kids are all back in their room. And so adoption they rates got of three view. and four-year-olds in Germany are through the roof yep. right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, it, it's it's just kind of uh, <sighs> hilarious. And it, I mean, there's a lot to say of it. I mean, you think about the ways in which it's almost impossible to build something like that in the u.s right because mm-hmm. true uh you know in order to have a club like minnesota united fc we have to have billionaires owning it which is just fine but it's not going to be there's no way to then literally i've tried to figure out is there a way to have some sort of fan ownership or something? right sure. well let's talk about other wealthy owners across the world and let's move on to the bad here exactly which uh goes to Leighton orient over in england um, who were recently relegated, actually, down to the National League out of yeah. the, the the main so four. Out of the leagues. fourth, out of the fourth now, division. Now, their, their owner is a friend of yours, right? Yeah, he's a buddy of mine. Um, That's too bad. No, uh, no, I went. Uh, so I didn't realize for a while that they had sold Barry Hearn had sold it because um, I went to see a game there, twenty fourteen, I think. So around okay. the time hmm. when it when it was sold and got like for like twenty five pounds, sat literally pitch side 
right eight feet away from the opposition team's bench. And it was awesome. I mean, it was basically like going up to Blaine and watching a game up there and actually had less atmosphere than Blaine. But it was, huh. you know, it's wow. an 8,000 person stadium. It, uh, and this, this is the guy that's always on men in blazers, right? Like dropping F bombs. And yeah. And going then wild. he sold the club. And so, and then this, the guy, what's his name? Bacchetti. Uh, Francesco Bacchetti. Yeah. Bacchetti, Bacchetti buys the club. And since then, when Barry Hearn had the team in 2014, they lost in the playoff final to get into the championship. Okay. They were in League One. Since then, successive relegations. Tumble, tumble, tumble. No one has any money. Basically, the fans are trying to raise all this money to, to get staff paid. The reverse Bournemouth. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's yeah. really depressing. And mm. this it's not an extremely rare story, unfortunately, but it's it's a bummer. Um, I do have a, a friend um, uh, who's a soccer fan here uh, named Andy. Name who, drop. Well, his, he and his, his uh, <laughs> brother, name drop. Matt, who, who I'm also friends with. So I'm both. Wow. I've got two friends in the world. Both alike. Anyway, <laughs> they both at one point picked two League Two teams okay. and were like, if this team ever gets to the premiership, I, you know, if my team gets, then you have to buy for both of us to go to watch a premiership game for them. You're going to pay for my plane ticket, et cetera. Um, so one of them picked Leighton Orient. So <laughs> that doesn't look. And the other Ouch. one picked. Um, oh, crap. No, I'm forgetting it. It's a, it's a Yeovil. There we go. Okay. Who also, I think. They made some bad choices. Really bad choices. Yeah, they were probably to, better. They choices. should have played more football manager before researching <laughs> this. But anyway, so it's bad bad story. You tell me the weird story. We've got two weird stories actually. So the the, the first weird actually is from the Copa Libertadores. Uh, there was a match which before kickoff, the players are all on the field. They've already done the national anthem. And Who's the, do you know the teams? Uh, there was Santos and I don't remember the other one. Okay. Hmm. And um, all of a sudden, the announcer goes on the, the speaker as the players are in their position. They've already done the warm-ups, everything, and say, we would like to take a moment of silence here to tribute the fallen Ricardo Oliveira. And so there's a hush over the stadium. Everyone, you know, respects and everything. And then at about the 10-second mark, all of the camera people in the stadium are like, that's the striker for Santos. And so they all just go to him and he's just standing at like the center field, just like looking straight out, kind of like a, you can hear the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme in the background (laughs) over taps. And uh, it was just brutal. But like the worst part is no one in the stadium was like, hey, you know, it was just like, hear who it was for. They're like, oh yeah, someone, okay, I guess someone probably died. Or maybe it's a different, they heard Ricardo. So they were supposed to pay tribute to uh, an actually deceased former player of Santos, but they mixed it up and happened to choose the starting striker who was standing over the ball at that second. Who instantly keeled over dead, and then the other guy. It was. It was just a. It was basically a spell that they cast, and and now the the dead striker is is back, and he's scoring loads of goals. You've got another weird though. Another weird, and and for the record, the Saint Pauli thing about the uh, the preschool was not weird. To this week, Uh, what is weird though is what happened to Brighton this last week, who are on the verge. Of promotion to the no, Premier, they got promoted. They got well, they've clinched promotion, but they're about to clinch winning the league. Yeah, and so there it was this big celebratory thing. They were in Norwich though, and twice Alex Pritchard took a shot which went past a diving David Stockdale. David Stockdale is the goalkeeper. Um, Pritchard is the the midfielder for Norwich. And his shot would go past a diving Stockdale, bounce off the crossbar, bounce off of Stockdale's back and into the net. Amazing. And it happened twice in the course of 20 minutes. And Brighton ended up losing by that scoreline of 2-0, putting their party on hold for winning the league. <laughs> wow. So, I got to check that one out. I like to imagine David Stockwell, Stockdale as Dean Stockwell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which, do you know, I don't know if you know Dean, this is, uh, but Quantum, Quantum Leap. Leap, that's what Leap I'm <laughs> And so now I'm imagining... Uh, um, uh, the other guy, the other guy, yeah. the one we shouldn't uh, know, the the uh, other yeah, actor the other in his body, yeah. uh, <laughs> taking over David Stockdale's body, and and like that was the big mistake he was supposed to rectify, and he failed, and so now he's stuck. Um, anyway, there's your quantum leap reference uh, for it. But, we hit our um, quota before the 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 break. We you know, I want to talk to you, Eric, about yeah. where where you uh, come from for for soccer. You are Brazilian. 
And so ish, ish, Brazilian ish, <laughs> not a Brazilian esque you know, nationalities the, uh, and identity um, politics and all enough that for good Manny stuff. Lagos to sign you, yeah, but, oh. <laughs> but enough that you that you don't say uh, uh, Siri B uh, or or anything like that. True, but um, but where where did you come from uh, for soccer? Yeah, I was. Uh, well, my mom is from Goiás, uh, Brazil, which is kind of right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is from Nebraska, USA, and Goiás, as it were, is kind of the uh, Nebraska of Brazil. So, in a way, it was kind of destiny the way that they kind of met. Both. Lots of lots of Vietnamese restaurants. That's right. and, and football <laughs> and corn. There you go. Yeah. Lots. That's definitely correct. Lots and lots of corn and agriculture. Um, and yeah, I uh, I started playing when I was little. I didn't really have much of a choice, especially when I was about four the first time I was down there. And, you know, my uncle started passing the ball. And they're like, oh, we have work to do here. <laughs> 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 He's behind. Pelé, you are not. That's right. Yeah. But uh, but no, so I, I played there and played back in the in the U.S. as well. Um, what, what position? You're, I was. You're, you're a tall, slender man for the for the radio. He's people a tall, who, slender man. Who? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who want to uh, just close their eyes and imagine? And if you're driving, don't do that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. Uh, I liked uh, center, mid, and sometimes I got off to the left a little bit. I was. I'm not a natural lefty, but I was ambidextrous enough that my crosses weren't the greatest on my left, but I had pretty decent passing from my left. Okay. So okay. they liked that. Right. That's uh, valuable. Yeah. And in junior high, kind of high schoolish, uh, I'll, I'll try and tie this together with with uh, bringing it back to Minnesota here into Minnesota football. Football. Yeah. Um, ended up meeting a, a guy named Jorn Buholtz, and yeah. that name should probably sound Actual familiar. Drop, right? I mean, yeah. for, so watch out, name drop. Yeah, yeah. He's former Minnesota Thunder. G. I think he was the GM of them, and then and then. Uh, Minnesota Stars That's right. president, I think he was. Mm-hmm. That was his role. But yeah. and Jordan, I, I, I'll say this: he was considerably better player than than I was. He was the striker, and and yeah, he had the uh, he had the speed, he had the precision, and he definitely had the drama. Mm. Oh, oh yeah, three for three, <laughs> all but yeah, he was yeah. fun to watch. Um, go ahead. So you played with him in in high school and stuff. So- started in that? middle school, middle school. Um, okay. but then into high school as well. And uh, yeah, fast forward, and um, you know I. I moved up here, I think, before he did, and at that point, you know, I'd I'd been to matches before, but not. I went to the inaugural MLS uh, match in, or uh, year '95, I think mm-hmm. it was, right? '95, yeah. '96, yeah. To the the Wiz when the yeah. Wiz were still around, yeah, and I think Preki was yeah. on yep. the pitch, um, and then I'd been to matches in Brazil. Um, I'm a supporter of Goiás Esporte Clube, which is. They're, they're Serie B now, and they've been stuck there for a while, the, the kind of the, the B-League. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've had their moments of greatness getting up into A, and they, they did play in uh, Libertadores once. They almost won the Sudamericana, the, kind of the equivalent of the Europa League, mm-hmm. in uh, 2010. Oh, wow. Okay. It, man, I, that, was, that was a tough night. I, remember my, <laughs> I just remember my son was very, very little, and we were out. And so they, their, home, uh, their home match... They they played great. They had a clean sheet, two 0 They were playing uh, Independiente from mm-hmm. Argentina, from Buenos mm-hmm. Aires, and I was like, everybody was feeling great. Like this is going to be the big turnaround. Um, you know, they're going to be in Serie A. They're going to stay in Serie A. They're going to represent Goiás. Uh, they go back to the away match in Buenos Aires, three 0 loss. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah those, those home and homes are. We've awful. all been there. Yeah, I, I was uh, thinking you were just going to recite what happened in 2012 with the stars of uh, two two nil at home and then give up two and go to go to PKs. But yeah, well, just about, no PKs. It's all, it's all the same level of sadness. And you, but to br- all- yeah, go ahead. I was gonna, just going to bring it back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so um, so I got here. Uh, well, I had been here, I should say, and. And Jorn had just started working with the team, with the Thunder at that point, right? And he gets in touch with me and he's like, hey, have you been to a game here? And like I was mentioning, I've, I've been to matches in Brazil, there in Goiás. I've been to Murumbi, which is a whole other experience in Sao Paulo. Uh, you know, when you think of like this stereotypical, frightening post-match, like really intense, yeah. you know, I got in the middle of some of that stuff. And so I was familiar with that. <laughs> Um, I'd, so prepared you for Blaine for the. That's right. Well, that, that's where I'm going, man. That's where I'm going. I've been to matches in Europe. I've, I lived in in Denmark for a while, so I've been there. And so I didn't know when he invited me out. I'm like, man, do I need to, you know, 
polish off the the brass knuckles right. and kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> prepare for the worst. Yeah. Putting the brass in Nebraska. Th- and this was before Blaine, man. This was uh, oh, the Jimmy. this was the Jimmy. Yeah, this that. was the Jimmy. Yep. And so I got out there, and yeah, there was there was no need for brass knuckles whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Good. No, it's just... <laughs> for the best, really. <laughs> oh, jeez, jeez, no, no, don't fight him. It was so much fun, though. Yeah. It was great, and I, I kind of, you know, I fell in love with the team. I had a lot of fun out there, lots and lots of memories, and not so many memories because there was there was a lot of alcoholism. <laughs> I think at one point, when we kind of figured it out, they figured out kind of the vibe of how everything worked. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday. Some of my buddies from you know over a decade ago. It was very common to see people walking in with you know two twenty four packs in yep. both hands, and at one point I think I had a a Captain Morgan in one and like a twelve pack in the other, and that was <laughs> that was just the way it rolled. The Saturday night in St. Paul. That's right. Mm. Um, and you also, aside from the soccer stuff, so this morning you were on KFAI, um, yeah. and that's that's with Latino Alt Rock. That's right. Uh, is is are you on there to talk soccer, or are you also there to to do some music as well? It's and, all of the above. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, Raul and uh, Pablo. They're they're the main hosts. I'm yeah. I'm the co-host. I'm kind of the the kid in the back seat screaming. You know, are we there yet? They yeah. me, they keep me around for the ride, which is great. <laughs> they, it's it's a great show. We have a lot of fun. Um, they're, they're very, very good curators of, of music from all over the globe, yeah. uh, Spanish, Portuguese speaking world, but then we do a lot of local music and up and coming artists here in the Twin Cities as well. And, you know, because they're footy heads like, uh, like ourselves here, oh, yeah. we always, uh, dedicate, it used to be like a little bit of time and now it's more, you know, 10, 15 minute yeah. actual segments and we kind of talk cool. about one thing and then bounce to back to something else. So and that's yeah. Mondays 10 to noon? 10 to noon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know if... I, I, some people listen to KFAI a lot and then I, I run into people who have no idea what it is, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, you know the, it's in uh, Cedar Riverside, right yep. by the Nomad. You know, right by all right these by places. And if you miss it yeah. live, you can always get the the stream whenever. Yeah. I think it's up yeah, there right a now. Podcast yeah. version of it, which yep. is pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I love KFAI. They've always had pretty amazing music. Yeah. It's, uh, especially because most of the time, I have no idea what's going on with it because it's like you'll go from like, oh, it's the ladies doing French hour on Sunday morning or something like that. That's too. good radio. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's great. It just switches between. Yeah. It's like ne- never expected. So yeah. that's community radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for, for joining us. Talk soccer. I appreciate and we, the I, we do have some, uh, Latino alt right, alt rock, uh, alt right. <laughs> the Latino. Alt right. Oh yeah. man. They've got real careful. We'll get more one star reviews if you keep we've, that up. Yeah, we've got we've got uh, questions that that we'll hit in the Twitter section. But let's right now we've got big quarters and their music. Let's go to that. We'll come back. Shout and out talk. to Brandon and Zach, the yeah. homies. Welcome back to the Fifty Five One podcast. Uh, we've got Eric, we've got Jeff, we've got Wes. Hello, hello. All three of us are here, and now we're going to talk about Minnesota United FC. Just yesterday, or whenever you were listening on Sunday, uh, Minnesota beat Colorado Rapids one nothing, uh, and clean sheet. Yeah, clean, clean sheet, sheet is is really like the first place Amazing. that we can start, which is good because I think you'd ran out of like. Metaphors for clean sheets involving twelve-year-old boys. So that's good. I'm glad that we don't have to relive this. I grew up in a house of four boys, so Ooh. I have so many more metaphors, man. Yikes. Well, we'll break those out at a later date, then. Uh, but let's let's talk about the win a little bit. So the, the first half of it was scoreless. Um, Minnesota United is currently on a 138-minute shutout streak, which is probably like 138 times the previous record. Um, before these last couple of games here. Uh, 55-1 always chooses three stars for the match, um, so let's just kind of walk through those quick. First one is Miguel Ibarra, obviously. Scored the goal. Um, much like Miguel Ibarra's playing style, his goal was completely unorthodox and not something that another team could have possibly scouted, which is to say that on the, the, the play... It was a corner kick that got deflected, went off to Ibsen, went off the post. There are four Minnesota players in the box. Ibsen's shot was great. Was it was amazing. Half volley just hits the post. Yeah. So sorry. Would have been great. Wanted to yeah. Take a moment. And so it beats Zach McMath, who then dives. He's on the deck outside of the frame of goal. So it's a wide open net. 
Um, Johan, or then it goes back to Kevin Molino, who took the corner. You have four players in the box for Minnesota. You have 10 players, including McMath, in the box for Colorado. And with 14 heads, 10 of them defensive, who finds it? Five foot seven Miguel Abarra the with the diving guy. header. Yeah. Mm. And it's just like the salmon of Capistrano. He yes. was like, yes. he's just it's like, true. Flung himself. <laughs> but I mean, the, what, even if they had gotten Miguel out of the way, Christian was there. He was right you know, there. Right yeah. behind him. So. Both on sides. Falling yeah. d- defense fell apart for, for Colorado, which is very un- unusual for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Miguel was was let's let's we won't go through all three yet. Well, yeah. Let's talk about Miguel um, uh, because he didn't have a good game. Well, no one in the front four. He didn't have a he didn't have a bad game. <laughs> no, but I think that's fair to say. No one in the front four had an actively good game. Yeah, yeah. this uh, was that first half was hard to watch sometimes. It was yeah. very very slow. You know, it felt like a road match sides. in Edmonton. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I mean, Colorado was shiving people left and right. I mean, <laughs> and, F- and Fotis, uh, the referee, Brass was, knuckles. Was, yeah, exactly. Brass knuckles, yeah. Fotis was just like, eh, I, I don't know. Um, Who's to say what's by, right? By and the wrong? way, yeah. there literally was a woman five feet away from me who, when we were making fun of Fotis, she was like, "I used to date that guy." Yeah, I bet you that. So, That's awesome. That was pretty amazing. So then we, then we. <laughs> We did start yelling. Your ex thinks you're a douchebag. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, when he was, I think it was during when he was going out for the half. I think um, he liked that. Yeah. But uh, so Miguel did not have a very good game. Uh, was active, um, but just everyone was kind of separate and, and getting crap mm-hmm. beaten out of them. But once he put in that goal, all of a sudden, I mean, you could see it. Watching, I watched it again today over lunch, and like watching his face. As he responded, I don't know if he was crying, but it looked like mm. he was ready to cry. I mean, he was, yeah. and then after that, he was alive. Turned it you know? on, and mm-hmm. and we've said this since he came back, right? He's a, totally, he's such a shy guy. Um, everything, so much of his game is built on confidence, and he's been in places where no one's he's no one's giving him a chance. You know, right. he's, he's having to rebuild three coaches. Each one right. is having to prove himself. And now he's back here, and he's having to do it again. You know, prove himself. He's getting more chances than I think he normally would have because people in front of him haven't been that good, and he knows that the fans want to see him play. Yeah, uh, Eric, what did you think of his interplay? I mean, especially with Venegas and Molino, because Ramirez, it's kind of done and dusted that Ibarra Ramirez are going to be able to play alongside each other. But what about the front four as a whole? What did you see? Well. It was a tale of two halves. I mean, like kind of what you're talking about. It it was it was tough to watch in that first half, but after that goal, I I was expecting a few more. Just the way that all the cuts were coming and all the passes were started to happen, it, it just all flipped and changed. Like the last fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised that there wasn't a second goal. To be totally honest. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, when Abara came off, he was subbed off. Uh, Adrian he said it something. Was, yeah, Adrian said that was just because, I mean, he hasn't played 90 minutes in like 18 months. And so it's just a matter of him getting back to fitness, whatever. You bring in Abu Dunladi. Uh, he did some good things, I thought, with the ball. He wasn't necessarily involved in attacking play, but mm-hmm. he was making kind of veteran moves where he'd purposely push the ball a little bit further out of his reach, so he'd have to chase, and that defender would put a leg out to draw a foul and kill another minute, you know, which is, that's savvy, and at that point, when you're defending a lead, that's what you need to do. I suppose. Um, And then Kevin Molino got subbed off, which was just, changed the tactics a little bit. Ibsen wanted that sub. He was calling for it. You could tell from the press box, but he didn't get it. And then Justin Davis came on, so you had a five-man back line to try to close it off. (laughs) Can we talk about Ibsen for a second? Oh, please. (laughs) I know Brasileiro, this guy. (laughs) Just... It's such a coin toss with this guy. I mean, it has been forever, right? You get a moment of brilliance, and not even a minute later, 30 seconds later, just complete disaster. Yeah. I mean, the the dive was just was something out of the Neymar playbook. I mean, he dove almost better than Neymar. That was the perfect swan. And, and I, uh, I made a timestamp in my notebook to make sure that I put that and rewind that this week. Uh, yeah. So where, then, when did this happen? Wait, wait. 78th minute. Okay. Specifically. It's... I'm, it's I, horrendously beautiful. It. Right. You will see it on Thursday. <laughs> and then there yeah, was some. Okay. There were there were a couple times too with the passes. Like he had he had that great. He had a steal, and then he did some great dribbling. Like 
I think he beat maybe one, maybe two players, yeah, and then yeah. immediately passed it and, you know, passed it to the wrong player, stolen right away. So that was something I did want to talk about, because someone in the press box was pointing out to me, like, oh, Ibsen is currently leading Minnesota United in the Audi Player Index. And and did you hold on? Did you make the? Did you in your brain at least make a wanker gesture? I there was a wanker <laughs> gesture, and then there was a sad trombone playing out the Audi yeah. Player Index, which is just basically just like he carried a random, the ball, a but, random number generator. But when, it, in fairness, when he's sitting on half of Minnesota United's possession with just him with the ball, just kind of like doing little spin moves right. and kind of going back and forth like what am i gonna do and then like you said just kick the ball out of bounds like of course he's gonna yep. rack up or pass it to the opposite team which right. is what happened which is what happened a lot too <laughs> i mean that's there are a lot of moments and this is actually a criticism i would give of johan venegas in this game where rather than make the smart pass he would try to set himself up for hero ball and johan had a couple of moments especially in the second half when they're nursing the one nil lead and you're thinking okay they need a second to really put this on ice um there was one specific play where instead of going central, where both Molino and Ramirez are, he veers to the this right. This is Venegas. This yeah. is Venegas, yeah. yeah. Veers to the right, isolates himself, ends up getting the ball stolen, and then does a flop trying to mm. draw a call and doesn't get it. And it was just like, if he had just made that pass, right. it would have been so much more dangerous and at least given like a throw-in or a corner kick off of it. I'll say about Ibsen, though... Um, it's easy to see what he didn't do there, but if you had Warner, or who are your other options, right? Warner and Schuler, mm-hmm. right? Ibsen, Ibsen was the best option there, well, and I don't think that Warner and Schuler. Well, and he gave us that amazing shot yeah, yeah. too, and that's what right. I'm saying is it's so fifty fifty. Yeah. You just yeah. you and never Schuler, know. Schuler wasn't eligible for selection. He was a late scratch due to his hip. He should oh, be in consideration for this coming week, but it was down to Ibsen and Warner, and they're very different. Yeah, game or plans. Colin Martin, and obviously he's not. I'm calling Colin's name, but. Uh, obviously, he's not getting that. Few of attention. us are, yeah. yeah. Um, so the the other the next star uh, was Francisco Calvo. I think uh, you know there's a scramble amongst the fifty five one people to kind of get the who, who's gonna, who this is going to be. I think it should have been Shuttleworth. I think he made a couple saves, and I think that he was just really good. Calvo. Do you want to make the case for Calvo? Uh, Calvo was my man of the match, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, tell me about it. So okay. in, in the first half, he had, I think, four different headed clearances off of crosses. Okay. Um, he did a fantastic job marking Alan Gordon. Mm-hmm. If I can talk about Alan Gordon for just a second here, there was a moment in about the 68th minute after he'd come on, and Jermaine Taylor had also just come on for Brent Coleman. Brent's fine. Um, yeah, that worried me. Bit of a hip issue, and then Eric Miller cleated him in the calf. You can see three little circles on his calf. Brent showed me after the game. So uh, he'll be fine. It's just precautionary, basically. Um, but Jermaine Taylor and Alan Gordon came on, and there was a moment where a ball is just kind of spurting towards the sideline, towards the press box, and you see Alan Gordon and Jermaine Taylor both... I think they'd call it sprinting toward the ball. <laughs> and it honestly was just like you pushed the biggest boulders you could find and they're just momentum carrying yeah. them. And I watched it and honestly, like, I think I had enough time to put five different soundtracks to it and every right. one was funny. <laughs> Chariots of Fire is what I would have gone with. <laughs> that I know was you've my... already done that recently, but it's Maybe because... I'll find that clip and I'll put it to five different songs it's this week. Because too. Chariots of Fire uh, is meant to watch runners in slow mo, but yeah. you don't have to slow down the video. No, I just did it with <laughs> Elfie's Dive. Yeah. <laughs> but it was beautiful. Um, but uh, uh, we'll get to Calvo. But well, I, I want to talk about Alan Gordon eventually. But you talk about Calvo. So okay, he, so Calvo, he well Calvo did very well defending. He kept Kevin Doyle at bay, though Kevin Doyle's face also kept him at bay. Um, on the the time where Doyle had a bicycle kick and then kicked it off his own face, that was amazing. Which I, was, which the, wasn't even really the most embarrassing that shot was, of the that game. That was for like the the second biggest second biggest <laughs> celebration that happened in. Uh, the Dark Cloud section. Yeah, it, was, was it was amazing. It was incredible. So much joy. Yeah. Uh, but no, his positioning was great. He did had another couple moments where he would take the ball, uh, turn over and see that there wasn't pressure from Colorado. And so he would dribble it forward to create a chance for Venegas, for Ramirez, for Ibarra. Um, and I thought that that, I mean, that kept Colorado honest. Didn't he have at least two blocks too? It seemed like he yeah. was just like crosses, just like straight mm-hmm. in. He's like, oh. Boom, block, no problem. Boom, yeah, a couple. Of, I think he had one really good slide tackle in the box too, perfectly executed. Um, just total finesse. I, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this in previous weeks where it looks like there are times where he looks fantastic, and there are times where it's just like he's still a twenty-four-year-old, and this is the biggest league he's played, and he's adjusting just like Ramirez, just like Coleman, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this was his best game by far in a United jersey. Okay. Um, the other the other star was Zach McMath, uh, who kept uh, Ramirez out with a fingertip save. I think he had another pretty good save. On, oh yeah, he yeah. had the the save that um, Ramirez almost uh, mm-hmm. finished on the rebound. Uh, McMath had a really good night. Uh, I'm amazed that he's a backup keeper somewhere. He he should be starting. He's not <clears throat> he's not an A level keeper, but he's an A minus keeper. Yeah. Uh, I, um, and so I think he had a, a really good night. I, I don't know any other players other than the the kind of three stars there. Even if it's Colorado players, stand out to you, Eric. I was. The one I, I was just really worried about, Coleman, when I saw him go down. Yeah. We we had a hard time from our vantage point. We couldn't tell. Um, there were murmurs that that it was a uh, uh, a missed header, and they hit oh. heads. Mm. So I got really worried. Yeah, like, oh yeah. man, I hope he hasn't didn't have a concussion. But then on the replay, it became clear that it, that wasn't it. Mm-hmm. But he was still down a little longer than I would have wanted him to be down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he had mentioned, and this is something I threw in my match recap for MLS, but um, he had said that there was a moment in a game last year in Carolina where he also had, he got cleated. And he's like, I'm fine, I can play through it. And one of the Carolina attackers was able to get past him because he was kind of favoring mm. that leg and then score off of that play. And so that immediately rushed into his mind and he was thinking, these players are even better. That's they will score on me. And so good, he good right away called for this yeah. to try to prevent the bleeding. And it was good funny that, you know, it was, it was because he, Eric Miller, uh, who is also from Woodbury and has been dating a, a Coleman, Cassie Coleman for ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, he go, Brent goes up and just takes him out <laughs> just went into him yeah. and then as eric is kind of coming down he kind of hits him with the cle- you know it was it was all just coming together but it started from brent being overly rough with yeah with his future brother-in-law right. which wow. like you said at some point like if he had gotten a severe injury off of that christmas would be really yeah, awkward yeah, can't yeah, imagine so, yeah um the other other people i, I think it's worth sam cronin again is the shit that was uh, a savvy, savvy pickup. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he looks fantastic. I I thought that um, everyone else, Coleman again had a had a good night, but he he has three or f- three times a game, he'll make a clearance that should go out to the touch or go further, but it doesn't go far enough, and it yeah, but he's it, clear. It, it might yes, it ha- he hasn't it hasn't been punished yet, mm-hmm. but it's just like that needs it. There's like. A few of those things about his game that you you can see that need to get better. But there's not enough for me. I do agree with you. And I, I think that just like Calvo, those moments will happen because you're adjusting to a bigger league. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still have been impressed by the growth, um, the development, and the overall just chemistry between Calvo and Coleman. Uh, you know, and, yeah, and they're both t- between 24 and 26. I think that that's... A partnership that you can. It's amazing. For a few years. Coleman's, yeah, Coleman's older than Calvo. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Coleman's the veteran here. He is. Yeah. This but, is my first match that I actually watched the two Colorado guys because I didn't get to see the uh, the Dallas one. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah, they were. What do you think of Mark Birch? Um, I mean, middle adequate, I guess. I didn't think he was he was horrible. Mm-hmm. His but, man bun. Do you have any thoughts on the man bun? <laughs> so that's that's a funny question. I think. Wow. Somebody was talking. Uh, I think it might have been my buddy who was. It was his first time at the match, and he was like, "Oh, it really doesn't bounce or anything, does it? It's kind of, it's really on there." I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, there's not much movement. It's kind of like the yeah. old school samurai, you know, yeah, yeah. You shave the front of the head and have <laughs> yeah, yeah. the little you little think bun it's in the back." He's wearing he's wearing a, a fake man. Here's a here's that, a question. That for could you, be though. a possibility. You are playing against any MLS team of your choosing at home. Okay, and you can only choose one left back between Justin Davis and Mark Birch. Who are you starting? Ooh, I mean, the NASL guy in me says Davis. Okay, Have, so you didn't see enough from Birch where you're like, yeah, I can't put sentimentality over it. <sighs> no. All right, you talked about this on the pod last week, so I feel like I need to say this. <laughs> it's all you. The floor is Mark yours. Birch is much better than Justin Davis. <laughs> Take out much. I take out much. I just like. I love Davis. I want to see him do well. Mark Birch is much better than him. I don't think he's he much better at this point. Yes. He no. Is. No. No. He's better. He is. Have better. you seen him make a make a? Mommy any, and Daddy any, are fighting. Any, um, uh, this is good. Let any, us talk it out. Have you, see, have you seen him make any, any slide tackles? 
No, because he hasn't been Yeah, he been has. Beaten. Stop. He had two no, against none. Colorado. No, none. Zero. So, I, I, I've only I, seen him once, so I don't, I I don't have the... I can't believe this conversation. <laughs> He's much better. He has not been that fantastic yet, but I will pick him every day of the week over Justin, and I'm, I apologize to Justin. Okay. Well, Justin doesn't really give a shit what I think. <laughs> no. So, um, I, uh, here's a question. At TC Vulture, TC Culture Vulture, um... Whatever T, whatever TCV At that thing. When he was subbed in, how certain were you that Alan Gordon would score score and spoil our evening? I was about ninety five percent. Ninety five percent is way too low. I mean, I literally was screaming and cursing. I was like, "This is it, Alan Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, who we should have signed." Because I, yeah, oh man, I yeah, mean, that's I just, a perfect change. I want to know what that dude. I'm sure is just like a. He's basically. The um, Bourdain, Bourdain, uh, travel, travel restaurant, Anthony Bourdain. Anthony, Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain. He's the Anthony Bourdain of dive bars in MLS cities. That guy, I'm sure, was like, Oh, I'm gonna well hit up Dusty's, I'm gonna hit up Sporty's next trend bar, mm-hmm. I'm gonna stab a dude at trend bar because they're gonna try to stab me first. <laughs> I, I mean, that dude, I'm sure, I, I, I almost just. Wanted to drive around the city last night, just looking for him, like figuring out which which like skeezy dive bar he was going to go in and be leaving with Helga the barmaid at, at the end of the night. Yeah, oh, I Roxy, love, not Helga. I love Alan Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is how much like I also love Dylan Powers, but you know, there's a lot of people on that. I love Pablo Mastroianni. There's a, Colorado's mm-hmm. a team I have much love for now with, yeah. with Alan Gordon there. So. Uh, on, do you have any Alan Gordon thoughts you want to share? Dive bars you want to give shout-outs to? Anything? Dive bar. I, I live by Matt's. All right, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> we got one. But I feel like Matt's is too savory for, you know, for now Alan is. Gordon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. um, today on 55-1 on Monday, sorry, uh, Alex Schieferdecker put out, he's regressing. I think he's either getting lazy or he's started, getting better thoughts. as three things, yep. two things. He had a and two now things once and now it's one, one thing. thing. So next week he'll literally post no thing and he'll put the word no and then he'll get trending like Westbird. Yeah, yeah. Do the John Terry. <laughs> um, but Alex basically said, to put it simply, um, Minnesota United started the season compounding their usual expansion woes with the wrong players in the wrong position. So he's looking at guys like Vadim Demidov playing period, uh, Jermaine Taylor playing right back, um, a couple of the midfielders playing kind of clumsy positions, and then playing a three-man front line without a striker um, against Portland. Um, however, the glaring problems were quickly fixed, and the Loons are now a highly competitive team. Um, so I, I think th- there's a couple of questions that you can actually stem off of this one thing. Um, first, through eight games, so you're about a quarter of the way in, Minnesota United is one point out of fifth place. Do you think this team is playing better than you expected they would at the end of the first quarter? I think they were they 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 are they are where they should have been. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, if, that, so? if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, this is what I expected. You know, had they not made those initial mistakes with you know Demidov and Taylor in the back line and some of the other decisions in midfield that we saw in the first couple games. Um, this is what I this is what I would have expected for you know them to be scoring and for them to be to have a more solid uh, defensive line and getting it done. It, it doesn't. I don't want to say that. Uh, what is it that uh, the problems are fixed? I think there's still plenty of things that you know issues that can be worked on. Yeah. But this is the way it should have been. I guess is what I, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think Alec, one of Alex's points is that even well, he had one point, but yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even the um, the big beatings were not really things weren't that bad, right? The Portland game, if we had lost just two nothing the next game, right, people would have looked at the Portland game for what it was. In the last five minutes, it just fell apart, right? Yeah. And it's your first freaking game in Portland. That that's completely understandable. Look at the Atlanta game in isolation. It it's in freaking snow. You just put a right back in there who's never played, who hasn't played with the team. You just right. met them all like five minutes before the game. Right. You have all these things in isolation. Okay, that happens. Uh, same thing with New England. New England, right? New England was that was less, a different yeah. case with everybody gone. Yeah, yeah, everyone gone. Yeah, you're right. That that was the. So his point was that this historically bad thing was simply you're an expansion team 
plus all these weird things coming together. Mm -hmm. It was never that bad. And that now we have, and he says highly competitive team. And this is where I'll push back, which is that there are two wins have come against two extremely depleted teams, right? RSL was playing with basically, uh, you know, Luke Mulholland, a forward or winger as a right back. Right. I, I mean, the amount of like weird Band-Aid uh, MacGyver, basically they had a stick of chewing gum, partially chewed <laughs> chewing gum as a left back, amazingly shut down uh, Molino. No, the I chewing gum was it. the man of the match, yeah. yeah. So, But like basically MacGyver has been like putting out these lineups. And same thing with Colorado, missing their two main center backs. Sure, Bobby Burling is not like a, a stranger to that team, but, but they're missing a lot of uh, players there. And... They're already a team that's that's suffering because we just stole two of their better players. Right. Uh, not to mention Tim Howard. Yeah, not right. to mention Tim Howard. Uh, yeah. Boateng, the central midfielder, isn't out there. I think that it was it was those again, like I'm saying with Portland and Atlanta. These games, these are outliers. Like we this weekend is San Jose. At home. Very good. San Jose is struggling a little bit, but they're mm-hmm. still a decent team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, If we win this game, then it's like, all right, that's good. It's still not great, but it's like, now you're now you're a good team. I still don't think they've done anything to say they're highly competitive. Hi, yeah, highly competitive, I think, is hyperbole on this one. Um, I, I think there are still games you look at, whether they're at home or on the road, and you say, look, they're the underdog. You know, a highly competitive team, you're like, you have to keep them honest. And even like... The Houston game is a good example. Minnesota was able to get a result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that would be, if Minnesota was highly competitive, every single team would look at that Minnesota home game, or hosting Minnesota, and say, shit, we're going to get caught in a trap game. We're going to play lackadaisically, and they're going to sneak in a couple of goals against right. us. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're at that level. I think that there are teams like, um, depending on the situation with Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, you've got a back-to-back road trip, Atlanta-Seattle in August. And neither of those teams are probably worried about Minnesota United coming to visit them. Conversely, Orlando City, who's been probably the best team in the league, is also very confident to go into Minnesota in four or five weeks' time with what they're seeing with Minnesota right now. I think that Jason Kreis's diamond is a perfect counterpoint to what is going on in Minnesota United. So there are. it's not where every home game they're the favorite. I do think they'll win against San Jose. I'm much less confident about that with Sporting Kansas City the following week. And then they go on the road for a week. They come back and they play the Galaxy, who... Let's just take a second here to talk about how the Galaxy are below Minnesota United on the table. Yeah. And that feels really good. Kurt and awful. Jim Curtin will get fired first. Bad, bad falafel. Bad falafel. Rhymes with awful. Do you have one more? We need one more. No, that's just the song. Kurt falafel. Rhymes with awful. Kurt and awful. Make Bad a waffle. Made, waffle. made a waffle. We can add more to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll work on it for a while later. Yeah, I think the, the improvement, that certainly can't be denied. But, you know, there's still a long road. Yeah, yes. there's a long. And they can be highly competitive. They can be, they are close to the playoffs. I think that, again, we have to remember MLS is weird as hell. Yeah. And it's a long season. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that Houston game, man. Like, I think of all the matches so far. That's the one where I really started to feel something about, you know... A tingle. A tingle, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Even over the win, even over... I was like, oh, man, because it looked, it looked bad. You know, it looked mm-hmm. like everything we've seen before, and they dug deep, and, and they came back. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, it's the part that they had the, the resilience to actually come back. Mm-hmm. That says something about where the club could be headed. That's right. fair. Um, let's do one more question before we take a break. Uh, this is from a certain Jake Reuter. Good. What, if anything, would you change in Minnesota United FC's attack tactics or players as we face another team that relies on physicality and discipline? So, yeah, that is true. San Jose is going to be very similar to Colorado this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got the differences. You've got Chris Wondolowski, who is the garbage man. He will, you know, we didn't talk about freaking Baji's Baji hitting the freaking post from five Putting yards the bat out. in Baji, yeah. yeah. Oof. Oh, they, I mean, Colorado could have had two goals. If they had anyone decent who could score a goal, they would have, they would have had. So we were lucky there. But yeah. San Jose next week, that's the question. Yeah. 
Um, can can I say sub out Ibsen if Schuler's healthy? You know, it, it, maybe that's the answer. Maybe for me, it would be you do a double pivot of Warner and Cronin, and then instead of Venegas, you put in Schuler as kind of that enganche, which I was talking about earlier. And I know you don't like <laughs> he this. He doesn't like we it. talked about this, but um, I think that that could work. And I, I think that that would be... Yeah, but Heath, Heath, Heath is better. never doing this, by the way. Heath is I keeping... I don't care. I'm just Heath saying what is, I would... Okay. The question is, what would you do? Okay, sure. um, and right. that's what I would do, because I think Schuler also Venegas is the floppiest player I've seen in a long time. Just purely just fall over, embellish... Um, and rather than just kind of the stay upright and play the play through, and if the, if there was actually a foul, it'd be called on you, even if you're running with the ball still. Um, he'll immediately take to ground. And I think San Jose will be targeting him mm. all night mm. next week. Yeah, that's well, what I would do. And yeah, like you said, it won't happen. But yeah, I don't I don't care about what'll happen. I just care about what I think and my feels. You have any thoughts on this? Hey. The the Ibison split. I kind of I kind of like that idea. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know, I don't know who starts and and who subs, but I, I like the idea of uh, mixing that up. Yeah, yeah. I think it would keep him honest too. Yeah. What would right. you do? Uh, I'd, I'd keep it the same. I think that um, that that team out there did well enough. It wasn't a great game, but they they did pretty well out there. So I'd, I'd just it, do that. It is worth noting, though, that uh, San Jose has been abysmal in offense in recent goings here. Um, they ha- Their co-leaders for goals scored this year are Chris Wondolowski and Anibal Godoy, who each have a pair of goals. Um, and then they have three guys with one goal each. I had thought they had been doing really well, but I think it's because they had those two first wins and Correct. then they stopped paying attention. And, I thought that and they then they've been changing. they've been brutal ever since yeah. offensively. Mm. So um, it's going to be a stalemate. They are going to be a team that bunkers down and they are going to be... You see those teams that go into a Rogan, they're just like, look, guys, if we leave with a point, great. And so they're going to be playing anti-football in a lot of ways. You're going to see a lot of that. And so it'll be very interesting to see how the Minnesota attack will be able to break that down. With some uncle football. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and take a break here. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to take some time, as always, for listener questions. No, you do it. Welcome back. It is the fifty one five one podcast machine. <laughs> and I'm Wes. Hello, hello. We've got Eric and Jeff here. Yay. Um and we're gonna start off. We've got Twitter questions and and an email question. But um the Twitter questions starting off, these are uh because we said that you were coming on. Right. So these are very specific to Latino Alt rock, okay. Right rock. Um, whatever <laughs> let's, happened? Let's to, not go there. Smash fascism. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever happened to? Is it Blokey? Blokey, yeah. They, Blokey. They're the. Um, this is from Clark Star. I'm, I'm assuming he's referring to the the kind of mid '70s, early '80s, early kind of Prague Spanish, uh, Prague Rush kind of wannabe band. Um, they were good. I I'm not sure. I think uh, I think they got back together sometime in the 2000s, but. Uh, when is the know. last time you thought of Blokey? Seeing this tweet. <laughs> okay. okay, there you go. Uh, this is from Lorenzo Castagnon. Uh, Norteño genre is the best Latino music. And then I loved that. I saw the, the thread. I told him it's not a question. And then he, he added question marks. That's right. So, it's beautiful. So what, I, I don't know. What's your, what is your response? Well, my, uh, my in-laws would absolutely agree. My, uh, my wife's family's from uh, Guanajuato. Um, even not necessarily on the border, but you know they listen to a lot of Norteño. Um, yeah, I don't know, may- maybe not the best, but I certainly appreciate it. I, I would encourage uh, Lorenzo if he wants to listen to something similar to Norteño. Um, my uh, folkloric regional music there of Goiás in the middle of, of Brazil is called Musga Sertaneja, and it, you don't need to spell that. But I think we'll all pick up on that right away. Yeah, S E R. T uh T A N E J O Sertanejo. Okay. And it's got a, it's got a lot of the same influences. I mean it's it's that uh, that universal instrument that kind of connects the world which is the accordion. And so you get a lot of that 
you hear the you hear those common influences between Norteño and what's going on so, there so and the back. European influences. You'll, you'll acknowledge that Norteño isn't the best, but it's 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 steady, it's stable, and you can definitely like listen to it every week. Whatever. Oh yeah, so it's the Absolutely. Justin Davis of music. Thank you. That'll work. Uh, from Dan Burkholz. What what's the Mark uh, Mark Birch of? Uh, so, Mark no, Birch. I, before these are my my questions though. Or uh, so uh, the 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 one Brazilian guy who I listen to a lot is Rodrigo Amarante. Is he Brazilian? Not sure. Oh, he might not be. I thought he was. <laughs> Look at him, not Wait, me. Wait, no, he Look sings in him. Portuguese. I'm Okay. All right, anyway. We'll, you we'll get back to it. Amarante? Mm-hmm. No? Okay. So. Well, d- so who should I be listening to? Give oh, me, give man. Me three bands or, or p- musicians. There's so much. I think uh, the artist that's most influenced me and my music is uh, he sadly passed away too early. Chico Science, but the band continues, Nação Zumbi. Mm-hmm. Um Mixing multiple genres, uh, traditional Brazilian music, uh, funk, hip hop, rock, um, everything. Just okay. amazing. Um, who else? Ojapa. We play a lot of those guys on, on Latino Alt Rock. My, my co hosts love them. Okay. Um, Ojapa? Ojapa. O R A P P A. Okay. Um, it's, it's a slang term for, I mean, you guys pretty well travel gents. So when you see like the uh, kind of the informal markets, either here or in Latin America yeah. or elsewhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually there's somebody on lookout for the police when they're coming to, mm-hmm. you know, do what they do. Oh, that's Schieffer Decker. Yeah. That's Schieffer Decker. So when Schieffer Decker's coming, somebody, yeah, yeah, somebody's, somebody's on lookout and says, yeah. oh, hapa, oh, hapa, and they pack everything oh, yeah. up and Ooh, get out like before, the, before Schieff can come and Got it. Got it. <laughs> do damage. It's clicks. We all understand, right? He is a narc. Yeah. <laughs> narc. And then third, you got one third, more. Third. Um, one more. Well, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll plug this. Um, you guys are probably familiar with Seu Jorge, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually going to be here in July. Ooh. I can't recommend That's enough. Cedar? Or? He's actually playing the Pantages. Oh, okay. I saw him at the Cedar, though, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Okay. And it was a phenomenal show. He was very sick, but he still came out and just absolutely laid waste. He was phenomenal. Um, but there were like 50 people. MP- I couldn't oh, believe really? it. Yeah, it was, it was empty. And people wow. know So Georgie ma- mainly. Uh, I mean, uh, people like me know him. Mainly Life Aquatic, because of the, uh, Life Aquatic. Yeah, and that's and what he's doing, there, I think. So. But man, his repertoire is yeah. huge. I mean, he's been playing for I want to say at least fifteen years, maybe two decades. He's got so yeah. much music. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Let me know when that is. I seriously, yeah, I want to check him out. So this is um, uh, an email from Dan Burkholz, who is the the uh, the fellow. Former U- University of Minnesota, um, dude, PhD grad who you yeah. met in Dallas, and couldn't remember his name because you're a jerk. But he says, "I'm a teacher of crazy <laughs> shit like Viking literature, and back during grad school, I spent a year in Reykjavik before it was cool. So obviously, I was thrilled when Manamos, which is his uh, amazing uh, um, portmanteau of, of Manny and Amos, um, built mm-hmm. Lo- MLS Loons 1.0 with so many Scandinavian guys." <clears throat> Seemed like br- brilliant uh, decision, etc. I'll. Uh, he goes on. So yeah. So then Dan goes on to list all the players. Obviously Demidov, Alvbaj, or Al- Alvboga, um, Saeed, Gat, etc. All these guys who have been kind of flops to some degree. You know, mm-hmm. Alfie we can't say is really a flop yet, but um, in short. And then the same again. In short, I feel like the scheme was a good one, and good players do come out of these leagues all the time. But I can't say I have a lot of faith. At this point, in either Manny's ability to scout defenders, especially, or Heath's ability to co- coach team defense, and then so who's to blame in this? Well, let's 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 work this question back. Um, over the last four or five weeks, Mark Watson has taken the defense under his reins entirely. Um, you will see drills where there will be the attackers work and like midfielders, the attacking based midfielders working with Heath and with Ian Fuller on their things, and then Mark Watson working with the defenders. And that split has worked very well. And this is only, of course, when they're not doing kind of 11 v 11. They have a special teams coach as well? Uh, yeah, well, they have Marius Rovdi working with the goalkeepers. <laughs> and then yeah. they have... Um, no, oh, that's all the coaches. We don't, I wish there was one more coach that we could well, just they, like, I mean, they do with. have the fitness guys, so yeah. Yeah, Jared, uh, Jared Phillips and the fitness guys. Yeah. Worst 70s doo-wop group yeah. ever. <laughs> and, uh, 70s yeah. doo-wop. So we'll move back then to uh, Manny's ability to scout. And, I mean, that's fair. Because a lot of these signings, I think, were based off of what Manny saw and who he spoke with. Um, when he was on a Scandinavian trip at the end of the NASL I have a season. question about that, too. Sure. Uh, uh, scouting, related to scouting. Whatever happened with Argentina? 
Nothing. Well, my suspicion is that you will see the fruits of the Argentina trip in a month and a half or two. Okay. Because Argentina is a league that runs July through June. And so if the MO is to find players with expiring contracts who will be good targets for Minnesota so they're not paying a transfer fee. Waiting for the season the salary. end. They're waiting for the season to end. But I also, I also think there's a lot of those scouting trips that they will make that they won't, they won't find anyone, right? right? The problem is there were only a couple, right? There's yeah. Costa Rica. There's- I keep thinking just because I, I follow the, the B League yeah. of, of the Brazilian championship. I mean, yeah, hipster. <laughs> all right i'll take I'm more it more of a c-league guy i'll take yeah, it no, that's fine whatever you want to go all corporate <laughs> <laughs> no but i'm just thinking there's i think there's a lot of opportunity there i mean i don't know how much you'd be able to pull from like the Serie A there in brazil but the b-league i mean i'm thinking about my not that i want my goya my goya's team to get like you know depleted but mm-hmm. not just them but I, I just think there's opportunity there that they may not be looking yeah. at well so i did i did a I tried to work on an article on the Argentina trip. Like, who are the people I remember, that I read they it. could be looking at? No, I didn't write it. I wrote I read it. <laughs> I'm telling you, I read it. <laughs> I read your drafts. So. That's right. <laughs> I basically put together this list, and there were people like... Uh, oh, Gago. Um, it wasn't Elmiron. It was another guy that um, Atlanta was linked to, but he ended up going to uh, China. I forget. I'm blanking on his name. But mm. all the players who were like, well, this guy would be awesome... They're not coming to us, right? So, so there was this list of like people who like. Well, it would be great if they could sign him. Uh, um, Gago is is one of them. Fr- uh, he's our patron saint, Fr- Francisco. Well, Federico he just goes by Gago. Used to be a, a Real Madrid guy. Now he's at I think Boca Juniors. I was like, maybe I recognize the last name. I couldn't. I, even... I don't yeah. think he's coming. He's a here. defensive midfielder. Yeah. And then and then I also looked at all right, whose contracts are ending, and it was just like. These guys, like I looked at who are who's in this sweet spot of who I think we could get, and they weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I just I think that the problem is Costa Rica is something you can get guys from Saprissa, but getting someone from Boca Juniors, you right. know, they went to the Boca mm-hmm. Juniors reserve game. I just or don't... even you look at Lanus where you've had. Diego Valeria and Miguel Almiron and Sebastian Blanco, I think, all come from there. But they're going to these teams that are, I don't know, uh, in Atlanta's case, have bigger pocketbooks, or in Portland's case, are much closer to winning a title where they're just looking for one specific piece and will push a little extra tam mm. that way. And and Portland have been building up a lot more, have been doing it longer so they could get a guy like Blanco. And mm. now they can point to the ring that Valeria helped them win, you know. So, um, so I think that that anyway to answer that question that's the Argentina trip is yet to be answered uh the Scandinavian trip I'm going to give it another 5 weeks before I I give any sort of harsh judgments on that trip just yet um Steve Lindley asks just kind of a quick hit here um what are the top social media accounts for Loons players over the years so that's present or past um citing Elfie as an incredible account to follow hmm. um for someone who's brand new I will say Jerome Tieson is fantastic to follow it's just so many emojis and so many selfies and pictures of him dancing at weddings it's great recommend hmm. he's he's kind of an adorable man yeah <laughs> uh so this is this tweet is just because uh I tweeted out the photo of the the two poll that someone made of uh, um, uh, Brent Coleman as Thor, and Miguel responded to me and said, uh, "We got a new request. Sam Cronin asked me if he can be Robin. I approved." My problem is, a players don't get to choose this shit. <laughs> yeah, this, this, that's this, our this responsibility. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and you, right. these things like have to percolate, right? I mean, for me. Cronin is either Cronin the Barbarian or he's the Punisher with his like shaved head. He's totally the Punisher. Rob, I mean, you look at Cronin, he's not Robin. He's not like a young circus kid. Isn't Robin? It's Colin Martin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or Abu Dunladi. Yeah, that could be. Actually, Abu Dunladi. I certainly think he's kind of Robin. Yeah, because I could also see him working in a two-man formation behind. It just makes sense. Like, he could also work with Superman and Batman. So, yeah, Abu. I'm tripping on this Punisher thing. I didn't even think about it. If you grew a beard, man. Yeah, I think you Get on it, Sammy. Uh, so Alex Schieferdecker says, What rough beast, it's our come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. Kurt and Alfo. Okay. Kevin Hill says, pretend NASL history does not exist and this team is new. Who is Minnesota United's face of the franchise? So, hmm. you've got this team, brand new, 
all these players are here. There's no previous Minnesota United history or NASL history. Yeah. It's Christian Ramirez because he scored the goals. And, and I mean, you, you listen, and I, I mean, I hear it through a glass window in the press box, but by far the loudest cheer goes for Christian Ramirez. The, well, se- but, the second loudest is Brent Coleman. But that's, but that's because of the NASL yeah. history. But I, think it's, I do Ugh, think that the guy so. who scored five goals in the first eight games, that says something. I think what they're asking, though, I think I think you're right, but I think that the cheer is 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 because same thing with the cheer of of Miguel. You know, when he sure. when he scores, that means way more than when Abu Dinladi scores his first goal, right? Right. Yeah. As much as people want Abu Dinladi to be good, they want Miguel Ibarra to be the Miguel that people know. I'd be curious on Eric. Who do you who do you think? I'm trying to separate myself because obviously I have that. Similar to you guys, the NSL uh, history. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I somehow tried to erase it, I mean, I think I'm leaning towards Molino. Molino's the 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 big money person. He's also the person who makes everything happen, and he's been fantastic so far. So you're, yeah. yeah. But, but having said that, that's smart. I can't I can't help but say, of course, for me personally, it's it's Christian, and in fact, mm-hmm. and Coleman too. Yeah. I love. I should mention this. You know, I, I I said earlier. You know, my roots in Nebraska. Coleman's from Omaha. Yeah, my sister actually went to Creighton. We brushed that under the rug, by the way, because we. I'm we just like saying, the native... I, I have the I have the dual connection with Mr. Coleman here. I got well, the Nebraska go. and Minnesota. You guys should do lunch. We should. Uh, let's see here. Let's do it. Uh, Clark Starr asks. Uh, I was in the middle of explaining to my eight year old why TA song was so great, and at that minute he blew his mark and Colorado oh, no. almost scored. Why did he do that? Ouch! Why did he do that? Because <laughs> uh, Jerome hates your t- eight year old. Is the reason. <laughs> Brendan Smith says, uh, of yesterday's starting 11, how many are going to be starting at the end of the season? What about next season? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, my response to that is, it's hard to say which ones, but I would say any of these players could be out. Um, and that's that's like talking to people who have said, like, look, any of these players could be traded away if the... if." The team thinks that they can make them better. I would say the only people who are untouchable are um, Christian and Molino. Mm-hmm. That's it. Maybe Brent. Brent, but, but mostly I would because, love to hope, but I think. But you're... mostly because I just don't think no one's going to come in and make a million dollar offer for Brent. I, I think right? that yeah. the, the team, best they're going to offer the team like... that Brent is most valuable to is Minnesota. Right. right. That's and, well said. Calvo is someone where I could see um, Minnesota being like, "We, I swear, we won't." But call me from a payphone and maybe we'll talk. Um, because like if you were like a team that was one center back short, I'm looking at like the Portland Timbers, where they're apparently scouting these thirty uh, something year old Ghanaian international center backs to try to fill the void because they'd brought in um, someone on Tam who got hurt for the whole year or Okoyo. So they're they're looking and they're like one center back away. Okay, who can partner with Liam Ridgewell? Okay, so if we move the farm. And a lot of money. Can we get Francisco Calvo? I think that that's a trade they might be interested in. Hmm. Yeah, so I mean, any of the, so when we say any of these guys are on the block, it doesn't mean that they're easy to buy. Yeah. But they would consider a good offer for any of these players, sure. uh, and and I think that that makes sense, right? No, no one is other other than Molina because you spent so much to get him, and right. Christian because I, I do think he's the face of the, the team. yeah, he's the he, face and he's team. really good. He is, he's one of those players who's very good at, um, at curating. He's a good interview, you know, and he likes to curate the fact that he wants fans to like him, and he knows mm-hmm. how to do that better mm-hmm. than most of the guys on that team. Uh, Aaron Wellman asks, uh, with Miguel Ibarra gaining his confidence and scoring a goal, should Minnesota United still look for a DP left wing or look to fill a hole elsewhere? This goes back to the last question. I mean, if you can find someone who's a notable upgrade in Ibarra's your spark puck, off the bench, sure you do that. I don't know. Yeah, and, and we've said this before. Like no matter what, like they should be looking for a striker as well. Like no matter what, you're always looking to improve. Mm-hmm. And if Christian pushes that striker back, I mean, you don't want a guy who's a starter and a guy who's a backup. You want two starters who are pushing Fighting each for other. It. Yeah, and absolutely. we want Miguel to be good enough that he is hard to replace. Yeah. Um, and you want a DP there. Yeah. I still think that you want a DP playing next to Cronin. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we need mm-hmm. we need a... And I'm starting to say that that would also be maybe a number 10. Um, and then Venegas says you spark plug off the bench. Sure. So we'll see. Okay. Sure. You like spark plugs. You're big, big, big spark plug I'm guy. jolty. Uh, Max <laughs> asked the last question that we're going to use today. 
um, which is a shout out to uh, Peter Wilt, the patron saint of all things Midwest soccer. Um, Schlapst is a mix of Schlitz and Peps Blue Ribbon here in Milwaukee. It's called the, the Milwaukee Black and Tan. Right. So, which two Minnesota beers would you mix and what would you call it? Um, I, I put this out to the rest of the listeners. We got three really good um, suggestions here. We have BC Brown, who suggested the Passive Aggressive, which is an Indeed Let It Ride and a Surly Furious. We had Papa Panther at DDF Baker, who said the PB&J, which is a Dangerous Man Peanut Butter Porter, and an Indeed Strawberry Fields Ale. Hmm. And then we have Bad or Sick Guy at Adam N. Smith, Sociable Freewheeler and Surly Bender, the Fender Bender. I like that one. I mean, I, I, Do any of those sound drinkable to you? Drinkable. Drinkable is a different I, I question. Mean, for me, so, something would be have to be mixed with hams is, is mm-hmm. where I would go. Um, you know, that or, or I guess, uh, um, something with a, a premium. Mm. So, so maybe, but you, I mean, the passive aggressive sounds fucking terrible. Two really hoppy beers. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm looking at this, the, the porter and the, and the strawberry. That, yeah. That sounds like, that sounds like, sounds like yeah. uh, a, a black and tan for potheads. So, <laughs> so are we saying Dave Baker wins? Yeah. David Baker wins. Congratulations, buddy. Um, so, uh, where can people find you on on Twitter at Silva Culture? Okay, all right. And Jeff, you're Jeff Ruder. I'm yeah. MN Nice FC. But yeah. um, uh, thanks, Eric, for coming on. It's great. Um, Thank you, guys. We'll talk more in Notenio next time we have on. <laughs> next time we have you on. And, I was uh, complimenting these guys earlier. That was just saying that I really appreciate fifty five one and all the work that both you guys and everybody else does. Uh, the media coverage isn't so great for the team and, and you guys definitely do the work and I certainly love it. And I know a lot of my crew really love it. So thank you all. Thanks. Thank I appreciate you. that. Yeah. Um, so thank you listeners. And uh, if you like that paid plug that we just uh, got, <laughs> you can go to the patron site. Direct deposit. You can support number. us for a couple dollars a month. It really is very easy. And it goes a long way. So um, thanks, everyone. We'll, uh, we've got San Jose this weekend. I will see you guys out there. Uh, and everyone else, I'll see you around. Pretty good. Pretty good.